Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Brenham, Texas. My name is Joel Knox, and I'm the senior pastor here. If you haven't already, you can check out our media archive on our website, vineyardbrenham.org, or go to our Facebook page at Vineyard Brenham for more media or information about our church. We're so glad you joined us, and here's this week's message. Now am I on? Okay. It's weird. It's like the switch goes one way or the other. So if it's not working, then I switch it back the other way, and then that usually causes problems. So, uh, well, in case you didn't hear me, happy Father's Day for the fathers that are in the room. And actually, for you moms that have to wear two hats, happy Father's Day to you too, because, you know, I, I mean, it's unofficial, but... You know, when you're when you're a single parent, you have to do it all. You know, so um, so I, I think you can you can claim a little bit today too. But I, I think the video, when I saw that, I, I thought it it really summed up what fathers do. If you if you had the privilege of of having a, a good father, you know that there. Dads wear a lot of hats. They do a lot of things. And the thing is, the time that you get to spend with your kids goes by really fast. Well, in case you didn't know, um, today is Father's Day. And they're celebrated pretty much all around the world. In one way or another, there are days that celebrate dads. In other countries. Well, here in the U.S., Father's Day was established in 1910 by a lady known as Sonora Louise Smart Dodd in 1910. She was the oldest daughter of a Civil War veteran, Sergeant William Jackson Smart. The Smart family moved from Arkansas to Washington State just before the turn of the 20th century. When she was 16 years old, Sonora's mother died giving birth to her fifth brother. She helped her father raise her five siblings after her mother's death. Now, Sonora loved her father, and on Mother's Day 1910, she heard a sermon about mothers and their newly celebrated Mother's Day, which began in 1908. And she was at the Central Methodist Episcopal Church in Spokane, Washington. And she felt strongly that fathers should be recognized and should be honored and should have their own day to be celebrated. So she approached the Spokane Ministerial Alliance and suggested her own father's birthday, which was June the 5th, to honor fathers. Well, the alliance chose the third Sunday of June instead, and it was celebrated for the first time on June 19th, 1910 in Spokane, Washington. Well, after fading in popularity in the 1920s, Father's Day began to be more widely celebrated after the end of World War II. In 1966, President Lyndon Johnson declared the third Sunday of June as the official day of observance of Father's Day. And President Richard Nixon established a permanent national observance in 1972. 
So there's your brief history of Father's Day, in case you wanted to know. But let me ask you this question. Is one day enough to celebrate what fathers do? Do you think? Of all the things a father does, and this is what I want to talk to you about this morning, I think the most important thing that fathers do is they provide instruction to their children. Fathers teach us how to do things. So I want to talk about the father's instruction today. Now, would anybody like to answer, what did your father teach you how to do? Pull his finger. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that reminds me of a meme that I saw a little girl, she's standing there and it, she, he said, pull my finger. But anyway, uh, that, that, was, that was awesome. Yeah, I, and I, I know her dad. That, that, that's somebody else. What what did your father teach you how to do? Work ethic. Work ethic. Look things up in the dictionary. <laughs> Look things up in the dictionary. Fix stuff. Okay. You fail, you get up and do it again. Giving. Giving. Well, I was thinking about, and I've been thinking about my father this weekend, and just a few things that my father taught me. The first thing he did, he taught me how to drive. And that was also the first time I ever heard my dad cuss. And I, I, I think it just scared him to death. I, I don't know. But, um, but the funny thing is, my dad was a truck driver, and he taught me how to drive, but he didn't teach me how to back a trailer. And, you know, and I thought many times since then, and, and even when I got older, and, and I asked him about it, and he, he said, well, I, I thought you knew how to do that. And I, no, I've never learned how. And he's, well, well it's easy. You, and, and I, Dad, you should have taught me. So by the end, he, he really couldn't drive a truck, and we didn't have anything with a trailer. So, But another thing that he taught me how to do was shoot a gun. And I, I, I learned sometimes how not to shoot a gun. If you've ever put a shotgun in the wrong place on your shoulder, it will cause you pain. If you don't hold the pistol just right, it will cause you pain. Just, you know, those little things that Dad taught me. And he's like, well, next time, move it, you know, hold it, whatever. He also taught me how to sharpen a knife. And... Incidentally, I found the old wet rock that he used to use, and he would spend, it must have been hours. I, I remember him just sitting there with a, with a knife, and, 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 and I think he had the sharpest knife that I've, I've ever, ever seen for a pocket knife. I mean, you could, could scrape the hair off of your arm, you know, with just one, one little, little pass, you know. And, and like Terry he also taught me how not to quit. When I was in first grade, I remember I, I, I wanted to play baseball. Well, I wasn't ready to play baseball. And uh, I went out to, for one practice, 
And I came home and said, I, I don't want to play. He said, okay, this is the last time I'm going to let you quit anything. And so whenever I decided I wanted to play three years later, he told me, you're not going to quit this time. And any time that I came home and it was like, I, I want to quit, you're not going to quit. Because you don't quit. You can't quit. And so that, that's been, that's been my, my motivation throughout my life. You can't quit. Because my dad said so. Now, the thing about fathers and their instruction, and this is, this is what, I, what I discovered really just thinking about it this weekend and, and, and looking at the passage that I'm going to read here in just a second. But a father's most common type of instruction comes in the form of correction. And I thought about it in, in terms of my life. It, you know, I'm, I'm trying to sharpen a knife. Don't do it that way. Do it like this. He had to correct how I was doing it. Now, my dad wasn't involved in sports. He was, he was kind of the run of the litter. If I showed you pictures, all of his brothers were, were six foot tall and wide shouldered. And my dad was, was five, six and maybe 120 pounds. And so when it came to sports, I had to look to other things. But I I'd thought about that. And, and, and the fact is, even in sports, the instruction that you get is... It comes in the form of correction. I've been playing golf here recently with Tom Lewis, and and I and I, I was talking about it a little bit last week. I I'd go out and, and it, it's it's easy enough. I've watched people hit a golf ball. I've seen how people swing, but I've realized that there are things that I'm doing when I swing a golf club that I'm not supposed to do. And the only way that I'm going to get better at it is to have someone come and correct me and show me how to hit the ball right. Same thing goes for hitting a baseball or shooting a basketball. All those things you have to correct what you think might be right, but you need someone to show you how to do it better. And that's where the Father's instruction comes in. He corrects us and guides us in the right way to do things. And the writer of, of the, the book of Hebrews says a lot about the Father's instruction. So if you have a Bible, or if you want to just look on the screen with me today, Hebrews chapter 12. In verse 5 it says, You have forgotten that the Scriptures say to God's children, When the Lord punishes you, do not make light of it. And when He corrects you, don't be discouraged. The Lord corrects people he loves and disciplines those he calls his own. Be patient when you're being corrected. This is how God treats his children. Don't all parents correct their children? God corrects all of his children, and if he doesn't correct you, then you really don't belong to him. Our earthly fathers correct us, and we still respect them, isn't it even better to be given true life by letting our spiritual father correct us? Our human fathers correct us for a short time, and they do it as they think best. But God corrects us for our own good, because he wants us to be holy as he is. And it's never fun to be corrected. In fact, at the time, it's always painful. 
But if we learn to obey by being corrected, we will do right and live at peace. Now, the term that's used here, discipline, it's the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior, often using punishment to correct disobedience. Now, I think we're all familiar with having to discipline a child. It's when, when, I, when our children were young, and, and uh, it's a good thing that she's not here this morning, Anna was the one that needed to be corrected the most. And I remember one time that I, I'm, I'm trying to get her to do something, and, and she's not doing it, and I'm, 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 I'm getting angry with her, and she's only this tall. She, she could stand by then, but I, I'm, 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 getting, I'm getting frustrated with her because she's not getting it. And the only thing that's left to do is just pop her on the bottom. And so I, I'm, I'm getting frustrated, and, 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 and it was like the Lord spoke to me in that moment and said, you know, this is why you need to teach her. This is an opportunity to teach her because she just doesn't know. I mean, she was, she was like 18 months old at that, that point in time. And so I stopped, and at that, po- at that point I was like towering over her. And then I, I stopped, I knelt down, and I, and I got down, and I, I talked to her, and I showed her. And, and it, it, was, it was a wonderful teaching moment for her. And, and it made a difference, I think, in, in, in that point in her life. And, of course, there were plenty of other times that I had to correct her. There were plenty of other times that I had to spank her because, you know, even though I tried to instruct her, she, that didn't work. And so I needed to, to use a little bit more. But discipline sometimes involves having to, to do things in a way that, that corrects and reminds us that this is the wrong way to do it. This is the, how you're supposed to do it. Don't do it this way. Do it this way. And in case you need to be reminded, a swift little pop on the bottom will hopefully help you remember next time not to do it that way. Now, when I say that, I want to make sure that I'm not talking about any kind of abuse. One of the things that, that I, I remember about my dad, and, and I, I come from a family that has pretty bad tempers. And not telling on my parents, I mean, but they would get really angry. They really got really angry with me when I, whenever I was a kid. And I was kind of wishing that they would lighten up sometimes. But one of the things I remember about my dad specifically was that whenever I did something wrong, And I was going to get a spanking for it. And he told me he would send me into his room and I would have to wait for him. You want to talk about terrifying, waiting to get a spanking? But I found out the reason why it wasn't so that it would scare me to death. It was because it gave him an opportunity to calm down so that he never disciplined me in anger. I think that said more to me as I, when I found that out, I had more respect for my dad. And I, I tried of everything that I did when I was raising my kids not to discipline my children when I was angry. And it made a difference. 
But as the Scripture says, fathers correct, discipline their children because they love them. If they didn't love them, then they wouldn't care and they'd just let them go do whatever they want to do. But if they take the time to discipline, they take the time to instruct, they take the time to teach, they're doing it because they love their children. The Apostle Paul wrote to the churches in Ephesus and Colossae about the need for a father's instruction. And he said, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them, but bring them up with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. This is the same word, the discipline, the instruction, so that they will serve the Lord. And then in Colossians chapter 3, he said, Fathers, do not aggravate or be harsh with your children, or they will become discouraged. And as I've said already, teaching, instruction, it always involves love. If you care, if you love, then you'll take the time to instruct. You'll take the time to show. You'll take the time to make sure they understand and not take it out on, on the children. Now, I'm saying all that, and I also want to address that the fact that there, there are some of you that may have had a, a terrible relationship with your father. Maybe you experienced some kind of abuse. Maybe you experienced some kind of neglect. In our society, the issue of fatherlessness has, begin, has become quite a, a, a subject to talk about. It's got a lot of attention in recent years. Almost one-third of all children in our, in our country grow up in a home without a father or a father figure present. One of three children in America have no relationship with a father or a father figure. And an unknown amount of children have grown up in home situations where the father has had a negative impact. And that's just putting it kindly. They've been abusive. They've been neglectful. And the effects of that is so far-reaching. You, you think about the effect that a father has, and then for that father to be a negative figure in their life. It's hard. It's painful. I saw a post on, on Pinterest and it said, um, my dad broke my heart before any boy had a chance to. How sad is that? But that's, that's what we're, we're seeing in our society. The, the effect of the absence of fathers and father figures is, is paying a high toll on our society. Well, the psalmist David addressed the issue of fatherlessness. And, it, and he addressed it thousands of years ago. And it's something that's really relevant to what, we, what we're talking about here today. In Psalm chapter 68, he said, 
Father to the fatherless, talking about the Lord. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. And he sets prisoners free and gives them joy. When I read that, I realized that's, that's our purpose as a church. And here's the thing. Even though that you may, you, you may not have a father, or if you grew up with a father and he's no longer here, you still feel that, that absence. You still feel the void. Yesterday, I was... I was sitting, and, and I, I don't know how long I sat by myself, but I was, I was, I was sitting, and I was thinking about a song, and I listened to a song, and I, I, it, it just, I, I started crying, thinking about my dad. And, and my, my dad's been gone. It'll be nine years in September. And I, I've kind of moved along with that, and I, I, I think I grieved enough when he passed, but it, it, it just it came again. The, the waves hit me again. And then I was thinking about this scripture that God is the father to the fatherless. And he's the protector of widows. He's the protector of those who have been abused. He's the protector of those who've been mistreated. He's the protector of those who are lonely, who are separated from the people that they love, or maybe even are separated because they're orphans and they're left alone. And he's given us the church, the family of God to minister to each of our needs. Now, I don't know where you're at this morning in terms of how you feel about, about your father or about... Um, whatever relationship that, that you have or don't have. But I, I know that God wants us as a church to minister to those who need it, who, who want it. And maybe you feel the void and you don't even know how to express that pain. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is the... Our God and His dwelling place is holy. And He places the lonely in families. And He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. Well, it's my prayer for us today that we would know the Father's joy. And that when we experience His discipline, His instruction that we wouldn't recoil from it, but that we would, we would be willing to welcome that and say, Lord, I, 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 I receive your instruction. I receive your, your correction because I know you love me. I know that you want relationship with me. That you want me to be in relationship with others who care about me and who will help me to walk closer with you. And come to know who you are. I hope that's your prayer today. It's mine. And so, I want to ask, first of all, I'd like to pray for, for our dads who are here this morning.
And then I want to pray for those who are feeling fatherless today. Those who are feeling the pain of that absence in your life. Because God wants to meet us there. And show us that that He is all-sufficient. That He'll meet us in our pain. He'll meet us in our sorrow. So if I could do this, dads, if you're a dad in the room, could I get you to stand? If you're close by where you can... You can extend a hand, or if you can just do the, the, the charismatic, stretch forth your hand toward these that are, that are standing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for these fathers. Thank you for their lives. Thank you for using them provide instruction, to provide correction, and also to provide love and support for those, their children, for their families. And I ask your blessing on their life today. God, let them feel your presence and your pleasure in who they are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. And I also, I want to pray for those who are feeling fatherless. Because the Lord said that he would, he would be the father to the fatherless. And I realize this is, this is something that, you know, it's, it's personal. And you may not want... I don't don't want to ask anybody to to stand up, but if you're feeling that way, would you you mind just raising a hand? If you're feeling feeling that today, I I just felt like the Lord wanted to minister to us in that. Well, if nobody's going to identify themselves, okay, yeah. Well, I want I want to pray, and, and even if you if if you feel like well it's been a long time or whatever it's okay. I feel like the Lord wants to to minister to that in us this morning. Holy Spirit, come. Your Word tells us that you are the Father to the fatherless, and Lord, I ask you to come with your presence. And let us feel your arms around us. Let us feel your support, your strength, and your desire for us to know you and to experience your love as a father for us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask you to to heal 
hurts. I ask you, Lord, to, to heal the pain that was caused by words that were spoken. Lord, I ask you to heal the pain for, for a lack of contact, for a lack of, of, of relationship. Draw near to us today, Lord, and let us know that you're with us. God, in Jesus' name, let us experience your presence in a new way today. We receive your love. We receive your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Lord.